Sunday, February the 13th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Great. Good morning, everybody, from me as uh, well. My name's Simon Harris. If you don't know, it's uh, my pleasure to lead the team here. As uh, Henry alluded to, let me say a few things that I said last week about this space. So we're in a transition. It's not finished. Have you noticed that? It's not quite done yet. We're on a journey and it will take uh, a little while. And there are lots of kind of little hiccups in the journey. Some of us have been away for the middle part of this week and the ill family have got uh, a COVID lockdown again and so on, so on. Different turns, Marcus and the Richardsons have been coming out of it. So um, things, are, things are going at a pace, but it's, uh, uh, it's going to be stop, start and so on. We cleared all of that side last, uh, well, yesterday, in fact. So that's uh, new this morning. So there may be a little bit of uh, floor work there still to be done. So be careful. Uh, over on that side. Too late, you say. You've already fought. Thanks, Steve. There's always a joker. Uh, uh, so be, be careful there. Uh, but remember what I said last time. Two things, maybe three. The first is, just like you would at home when you begin to change something, you, you want to try out the new space. You have some ideas about how a space might work, but you want to see whether it really does work like that. And so uh, week by week, or every once in a while, through this short, relatively short period of time, we will try to do different things in this space. So it's not, it's nothing set in stone. Tables was an idea from last week because we shared uh, around those tables and uh, they're a bit of a leftover from last week. Next week will be something different, but we will settle down. We won't be in an environment where every week we rock up and you wonder what on earth you're going to see and what's it going to be, uh, what's it going to be like. But for this, this little season that we're in, we're going to stretch into what things might be like in different ways so we can get a feel for how we can best use uh, the space most of uh, the time. And to help us do that, we're on uh, looking at um, the things that we need to feast on in our lives. After the fasting comes uh, the feasting. And so through February and a little bit into March, we'll be picking up this theme of feasting uh, February. Last week, we looked at God's Word. And so we spent a lot of time learning, thinking about how we might feast on God's Word. Next week, we will feast on worship in particular and have a particular focus on how we do that well uh, together. This morning, though, we're thinking about feasting on something that is true through not just nine to five, but perhaps 24 seven in our lives. It's true because it's the way that God behaves towards us. What we're talking about feasting on is true because it's the way God behaves towards us and it's what builds us as a family. 
And we know that that's one of the dominant motifs in the Bible, that God calls us not to be a business or to be a charity or to be an enterprise above and beyond all of that. God calls us to be a family. This feast that we're talking about expresses the very heart of the gospel. It's right at the essence of all that we are about, because it's right at the essence of all that we believe and understand that God is about. It's a thread that runs through everything, and this is it. And it's not like Wordle, yes. And it's not that we, we, we don't do it or we don't think about it. It's just that we want to extrovert it this morning and bring something that lies underneath, as it were, the way that we are seeking to live, to bring it above ground uh, uh, and uh, into the light in order that we might feel both affirmed and helped in stretching forward. So Kerry and I have always tried our best to cultivate uh, an hospitable life. And so what we'd love to do this morning is share some of our insights from God's Word, some of the ways that we've reflected on hospitality and allow perhaps some of our reflections to become all of our reflections as we then land a bit later on and think, what's God saying to me? What's God saying to us in this space and in this moment. We have a sign uh, that used to hang up at home. Maybe it still does hang up at home. All our visitors bring us pleasure, some by arriving and some by leaving. Now, obviously, that's a little tongue-in-cheek. But in reality, it captures what the heart of hospitality is. It's a welcome. A welcome not just or not even or, or maybe not even necessarily into your home, but into your life, into who you are. It's offering a welcome to others. And whilst our homes are the first places that we might think about hospitality, they're by far from being the only place, much broader than that. The welcome that we give to others in whatever situation we find ourselves in, at work or school or the checkout or the sports field or the book club, wherever that is. Even at church, the welcome that we give when people come in, the welcome that we give in our rows or around our tables. So before we get into uh, all of that, just a, a question to help us uh, begin to, to extrovert, to think about it together, and then in a moment or two, Julia will come and read to us from God's Word. So uh, a gentle conversation for a moment. Who, who makes you feel welcome? I'm not asking you to speak out loud who that might be, not to expose anyone, but, but think about that person or the places where you feel welcomed. Why? Why do you feel welcomed in in that moment, in that space, wherever it is? What what is that person helping you to do? What is that person offering you that makes you feel and sense uh, a welcome? Why is it the case that sometimes you really do feel welcomed and perhaps other times you don't? 
So uh, a couple of moments together, uh, where you are, use the space, uh, use the opportunity to relate one to another, just for a few moments that we can get our, our, our kind of minds and our thoughts into this space. And then after we've done that, Julia, well, I'll come back, but Julia's going to read to us, uh, and then Carrie will begin to share some insights from God's word about the way that hospitality lies at this kind of foundational level. Great. Off you go for a couple of moments. Great. Hopefully you've began to just uh, get your minds around what creates that, uh, that welcoming, inviting uh, posture. So Julia's going to come and read to us from God's Word, and then Kerry's going to begin to share with us some of those uh, base notes that come to us from Scripture around hospitality. Julia, thank you. Uh, So this reading's from Romans 12, verses 9 to 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. The great news is that hospitality is not a new idea. (laughs) Because actually, if we look right at the heart of creation, we see that God creates a garden and he invites us to be with him. Right at the start, hospitality of a father inviting us to be with him, to walk with him in the cool of the day, to have those intimate relationships with him. And actually, it's not surprising, therefore, that for Jesus, hospitality too was high on his agenda. And actually, as we look at the life of Jesus in the New Testament, we see hospitality peppered throughout everything he does. And there's a phrase that's repeated in the New Testament that seeks to kind of describe Jesus. And it says, the Son of Man came. And we actually see that phrase answered in three ways. So in Mark, we see it firstly answered, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And then in Luke, we see the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And then again in Luke 7, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. Now, the first two statements 
their statements of purpose. Why did Jesus come? He came to serve, to give his life as an offering, to seek and save the lost. And then the third is more the method. How did he come? He came eating and drinking. Now, to the Jews of Jesus' day, all of those three statements would have been radical statements because actually they didn't expect him to come and to seek and to save the lost. They expected him to come uh, to vindicate a coming glory and power. And they certainly didn't expect him to come eating and drinking. But actually, that's what we see throughout the Gospels. And Luke's Gospel particularly is full of stories of Jesus eating, full of stories being with people. And actually, we see the Pharisees early in Luke's Gospels challenging Jesus about it. They say the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours, yours eat and drink. Jesus's how is right there at the start. And actually, The reason Jesus spent so much time and we see inviting people to be with him, to eat with him, to offer hospitalities is because part of his mission and discipling actually strategy involved joining with people long into the night, eating, the conversations that happened. But actually hospitality, we can often think it's just about the food, but it's not. It's inviting somebody into your space to be with you. And in those moments where Jesus was eating with people, he was inviting them to be with him, offering hospitality. And actually Luke's gospel is full of stories of Jesus eating with people. In Luke 5, he's with the tax collectors and the sinners, the home of Levi. Uh, Luke 7, he's anointed at the home of Simon the Pharisee during a meal. Luke 9 feeds the 5,000. Luke 10, he's at the home of Mary and Martha eating. Uh, Luke 11, uh, he condemns the Pharisees and the teachers of the law during a meal. You've seen the pattern. But actually Luke 14, uh, it's at a meal where he urges people to invite the poor to the meals rather than their friends. Luke 19, Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' space to be with him. Luke 22, we've got the Last Supper. And then Luke 24, Jesus, you know, the risen Jesus has a meal with two disciples and then eats fish with the disciples at Jerusalem. Basically, most of Luke's gospel is either Jesus going to a meal, at a meal, or coming away from a meal. And actually, when he's not eating, the references about food, that feeling of hospitality, go throughout Luke 14. You've got the parable of the great banquet, that space of inclusion, of ultimate invitation. And Jesus tells the uh, the parable of the prodigal son, which ends again with a party, with a meal. Luke 16, you've got the comparison of the rich man who feasted sumptuously and the beggar who desired to be fed more. And the meals of Jesus represent something much more than just the meals. And interestingly, Jesus did, none of these meals are in his home. He's always somewhere else because they're part of who he was, that radical kingdom building, missional movement. He's called a glutton and drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Eating with them was a sign of his hospitality of his friendship of his invitation to come be with me it's the sign of the grace that he's offering to all those meals those moments represent enacted welcome community friendship grace they're embodied 
hospitality. And they're the place where Jesus' invitation and grace was shared, where Jesus' disciples learned to be more like him. The meals are not just symbols. They're the application of the word becoming flesh and moving into the neighborhood. The ultimate hospitality, Jesus saying, come be with me. And he starts his ministry that way, doesn't he? He chooses the 12 disciples who he welcomed to be with him. And hospitality is so at the core of his lifestyle. They did life together. And meals were often the place of discipleship. If you have kids, you'll know that's often the place where the best conversations happen. Same with friends. Jesus let them in into who he was. And that's the key to hospitality. It's making people feel at home where they are. Not waiting for them to change, not waiting for something else, but inviting them to be at home. Jesus didn't have a home, but his life was marked by hospitality, by making feel people feel at home in his presence. And actually, if we have a home or a table or an upturned apple cart, it can be anything. Actually, there's an invitation for us also to be hospitable. It can be the coffee shop, the park bench, the school gate, the row or table in church. And Simon, you're going to come and help us think a bit more. Great. Thanks so much. So helpful as we think about that base note of God's uh, hospitality to us that then was lived out and expressed in Jesus. So if hospitality is God's way, then it also needs to be our way. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, so now I am sending you. In other words, as the Father has enabled me to live displaying his glory, so now I will enable you to live. And he breathed on them, it says, to receive the Holy Spirit. Hospitality is our way because it's all about relationship. In fact, life is all about relationship, isn't it? At the very heart of the universe, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in relationship, and we are invited into that. God is being hospitable to us, allowing us to make our home within him for our lives to be embraced by his heart. And we see in the life of Jesus the way that that posture of relationship that Kerry's been talking about is fundamental for the task of mission and discipleship making. It's fundamental to the task of mission because if we want people to know, to understand, to receive the love of God, then they will only do that according to the strength of our relationships with them. Lots of uh, kind of uh, evangelists talk about the relationship needing to be strong enough to carry the weight of the gospel. 
And so relationships are, are crucial in terms of our mission and in terms of our disciple making. Jesus would never have enabled those 12 disparate, fact, desperate people to become effective followers of his without that huge relational investment that he made. So relationship is foundational. And it's hospitality wherever we offer it, that begins to build those uh, relationships. And it might be very short and fleeting, or it might be very deep and long and extended, but it's this posture of hospitality all uh, the same. And we know, don't we, that the the level with which we invite and open uh, helps to develop the relationship faster or slower. Five years of talking with someone after church, and that's all you've ever done with that person, will take you to a certain place in that relationship. But maybe 50 minutes in their home or yours, or meeting somewhere else, would exponentially change the quality of that relationship a lot faster. We know that to be true in our, in our experience, because relationship needs that invitation. Second thing about hospitality, it's all about relationship. Also, it's all, uh, it's very personal. There's no such thing really as corporate hospitality. I mean, that's an oxymoron, isn't it? Corporate hospitality. We will, we will create an environment where we will make you feel at home without really any personal investment, without really giving of ourselves. And that's true in, if we use church life as an example, um, we cannot professionalize being a welcoming or a friendly church. Uh, I know that when we've visited other uh, churches, one of the things that, that you notice is, is at what point you really feel welcomed. So if you go to another church, you expect them, or at least you hope, that they will have organized some kind of formal welcome. There'll be someone on the door to shake your hand, to introduce themselves, and to welcome you. And maybe to give you a a hymn book, there's a thought, remember those days, or to hand you something, or to direct you, you know, go down there and turn right. A bit like when you got on an aeroplane, and they ask you the number, and they go, it's down there. Where else is it going to be? You're on an aeroplane. It's only going to be down there. But the, uh, there we are. So someone do, doing that in a kind of professional way. What we noticed is that if the people around us, when we sat down, made us feel welcome, it felt a much more friendly church. In fact, even if the professional welcome didn't exist, but the people around you were really friendly, it still felt a really friendly church. And if someone then went the extra mile and said, do you know what, we're going for coffee, we're going to have lunch, we're stopping behind, there's this going on, would you like to come with me? That sense of it being a friendly and a welcoming place would go through uh, the roof. But of course, those principles apply uh, not just in church, but in all our environments, uh, don't they? It's about relationship, it's personal, and therefore It's invitational. It's about us choosing to make invitations. And to invite always creates a risk. And 
if you're anything like me, you're risk adverse. You'd rather avoid the risk and therefore not make the invitation. What if they say no? Would you like to come and have coffee with me? Nope. There's a risk of people saying no. The, the other fear that we have is not that people will say no. The other fear that we have is that people will say yes. And in that moment of saying yes, we fear that they might judge us because they took us to the wrong coffee shop. They, they drink there. They invite us to our home that's too small or too messy or or too loud or too quiet or too something. And we become super self-conscious when people say yes about ourselves. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And... (laughs) The, the over, and this is, this is the nugget of this bit about invitation, I think. The nugget is this. People overwhelmingly are utterly delighted to be asked. Everyone wants to be invited. Everyone wants to be included. No one likes being on the outside. Everyone really appreciates being thought of. So an invitation is incredibly powerful. And for every 10, 20, 30, 50 invitations we make, there will always be the one. Nope. But the majority of people, the rhythm of life that we can embrace will be people being uh, delighted because we've offered a bridge, we've opened a hand, we've opened, open, can't do that, with opened our our lives a little bit to someone else. And before we just begin to think about that a bit more for ourselves, Kerry's going to help us with some really practical things, ways in which we can begin to step into, to access more of a posture of hospitality, and so to bust through some of those fears that I think, if we're honest, we know well up inside all of us. So, Growing up, we both had families that really practiced the art of hospitality in really small ways and in big ways. And we were both always expected to be part of that. It wasn't really a choice, which was really good for us, even though often that felt hard. So actually, for both of us, as we kind of got married and started life ourselves together, we knew that we wanted hospitality to be something that was really part of our life. And so over the years, we observed some things from the families we grew up in and from other people, and uh, we tried them ourselves. You know, So we just want to share some of those with you. And the first thing I would say is to seize every opportunity to celebrate. Have you noticed that Christians have a bit of a reputation for being a little bit miserable? If you don't know that, then it may be you, so you might need to, you know, check that. But actually we do. But actually we've got so much to celebrate. And so we live going, let's seize every opportunity to celebrate. Now the first way to do that as often centered around birthdays the great thing is that everybody who has been born has a birthday so it's an easy place to start it's an opportunity that creates a moment to be together with others 
And actually, the amazing thing about that has been it's been an opportunity for our non-Christian friends, our Christian friends to be part of that. We've always included praying for whoever's birthday is being part of that. And that's been a great thing. But actually for us, it's more than just birthdays. It's about seizing the opportunity to celebrate always. Because when we do that, we're pointing people to the goodness of God. And actually, that's why we do it. Because we have a good God and we want people to see our good God. So one of our son-in-laws, who shall remain nameless, Josh, <laughs> has often referred to our lifestyle when he first got to know us as Whoop It's Tuesday, Let's Celebrate, which uh, he's come to love, I think, haven't you, Josh? Uh, but we could celebrate the opening of a paper bag. But whatever it is, it's the intentionality of saying we've got a good God and we want to point people to that good God. And when we seize every opportunity to celebrate and to include people in that space, inviting them in, we're pointing them to the God who we know, in whom we've put our hope. Another thing that we've really learned is that actually intentions are great, but actually they don't go very far. So we've realized that we need predictable patterns. So, And we've used that as a real powerful tool for um, making sure that we're offering hospitality, but also having spaces of discipleship within that. And we have patterns, therefore, built around hospitality, how many times we're trying to push into having people in our space to really engage them, to inviting them to be with us. Now, those are not heavy-duty things. They're just the trellis in which our desire to live a certain way is built. So predictable patterns help people feel secure and it helps it be manageable to do. But also, you need to also think about, to go deep, we also need to think small. So it's easy to think we're going to invite everybody all of the time. And what happens is you, you only go so deep, don't you? So actually having predictable people as well, as there are times where you go wider, but that you can go deep with to make it manageable. But also it's the posture of hospitality, isn't it, in everything you do. It's the smile. We talked about our table, how this, when people smile at you, it makes you feel welcomed. It's the heart that you bring to simple conversations at the checkout or on the bus, or dare I say it, on the train. Some of my best conversations are on the train. They're annoying, if I'm honest, at the time, because I just want to do what I'm doing. But... The posture of hospitality is about being open that the spirit is always moving and we want to invite people to be with us. Another thing is to recycle time. And what I mean by this is, um, well, in a given week, you will eat 21 meals if you're eating three meals a day. And that's 21 opportunities to invite people into what you're already doing. You're not trying to create something new. You're going to have that meal anyway. And... It's a simple moment. And actually, it's interesting, isn't it? People joke that if you take the meals and the miracles out of the New Testament, there's not a lot left. But actually, it's recycling those moments of inviting people to be with you. We're designed, aren't we, to be in community. And inviting people in that way helps us to lean in. And I think what's been really important for us is that actually... In those moments of going, we're not trying to create dinner parties. We're just inviting people to be with us, inviting people to be in our space, to get to know each other. 
because we wanted to live this way, we really wanted to make sure that we did that as a family. So we've always chose to make our home party central. That's kind of how we've described it. To be the place where our kids' friends came to hang out, a place where actually we're setting the culture, and the culture that's Jesus-shaped. And that's meant a lot of mess and noise and all of that fun. But actually... Because our kids have seen us doing that, they all live lives where they offer hospitality. And actually doing that as a family, as a unit, has been really important because we lean into each other. But actually, whatever your family makeup is, leaning into the power of friends, people around you, I think is really important. But it's always remembering that we offer hospitality We're pointing people to Jesus. And it's an opportunity to see the goodness of God. Simon. Thanks so much. Uh, There's so much in that to think about, isn't there, as we feast on hospitality together in in this moment. What we love you uh, to do is just begin to think about what's what's challenging, what's exciting, what's new, what's stimulated you, what's made you think differently about about hospitality this morning, what's encouraged you about what you're doing in that kind of space as well. Uh, and then, uh, who, who do you know? We'll, we'll create some moment, just a sort of a stiller moment in a, in a moment. So first one for some conversation. And the second one, who, who do you know? Who's come to your mind who would benefit from a bit more hospitality from you? Who would benefit from a, a welcome uh, and in, an invitation? So who might that be and what might that invitation? But first, what's challenged, stimulated? What is, what's it made you think about? What's it encouraged you about? What are you uh, uh, thinking about pressing into after the things that we've shared? Just a, a couple of moments around, uh, around where you're seated. Go. Great. Let's, uh, let's gather our thoughts. I hope... Um, the conversation is uh, stimulating and encouraging. I, I hope the conversation is inviting and, uh, uh, and welcoming. I'd like us to land on, on that final question, though, just very quietly where, where we are. Who, who who's comes to mind that we, that I, so take, I mean, as in all of us, the collective I, who is it that the Spirit of God would say to me that would just just put into my mind right now that I could offer more of a welcome to, more of an invitation? And and we recognise, and we'll we'll circle back to this before our final our final song. But we we recognise how easy the enemy whispers that we're not good enough that we've got nothing to offer. That's a lie from the enemy to keep us isolated. I promise you, you have everything to offer as a beautiful child made in the image of God. And your invitation to another is absolutely life-giving. And maybe you can remember a time when someone did that for you and they they had no idea what that little invitation did for you in the midst of whatever was true for you. And so even as we think about that person and stepping in, we rebuke shame in the name of Jesus. 
we agree together that God's word is true. And he calls us to this life of invitation. And as Jesus has invited us, so our invitation to others is powerful in what it achieves. Because that's the way God made us. Who's that person? And what might it mean to extend an invitation? So, Father, as we think about that, as we think about all that we've heard, as we think about making one small step further into what you call us to, thank you. Thank you for the, the wonder of being invited to partner with you in this. Thank you for the truth, the reality that our invitation is powerful to others. And that every time we smile, we invite, we welcome, we are joining the story of the universe of a God who smiles and opens his eyes wide to us, opens his hands, his heart to us, is there looking, waiting, watching. A God who ultimately stopped at nothing to open up his eyes, open up his arms wide on a cross to welcome us all the way home. Help us as we join you in that great task of making everyone feel at home. In Jesus' name, let's stand together as Simone and the band lead us in our response.